The following audio is from Norris Ferry Community Church. More information about Norris Ferry Community Church is available at norrisferrychurch.org. Amen. You may be seated. Good morning. Pastor Tracy is still on sabbatical. He'll be back Sunday, August 20th. And so uh, I'm here with y'all this morning. And for those of you who are guests, we've been in our summer series on the attributes of God called I Am. Um, And we have had elders, staff, and members uh, of the church preaching for the last five weeks. And we're halfway through our series. And we're going to continue the series for the next four weeks. Um, And this morning, uh, we are going to talk about God's justice. But so far, we have seen that, that God is good. That he is loving, that he is merciful, that he is gracious and and patient, that he is a holy God, that he is righteous. And all of these attributes are speaking directly about the God of the Bible. And I said this to open the series on, on goodness, and I want to reiterate it because I believe it is very important. But the God of the Bible, the God... That This God is a God who is self-defined and self-disclosed. And that is extremely important. See, God is not defined by us on who he says he is, but he's defined on who he says he is. And sometimes we, we twist this. Sometimes we twist this. And we twist this in order that we may minimize our sin, that we may um, minimize how great our sin is. And we often only perceive God as maybe being loving, but we don't consider any of his other attributes. Again, you cannot and I cannot take an attribute of God, believe it, and disbelieve any of these other attributes of God. You can't. God is fully all of these attributes at all times. So if we have an incorrect view of God, then our view of goodness, of grace, of patience, of forgiveness, of mercy, they're incorrect. See, we we must have a correct view of God. And if we have a correct view of God, God being who he is, the absolute the standard for all of these characteristics, then our view of these characteristics of goodness, of grace, of mercy, of forgiveness, of justice, of righteousness, of holiness, then they are correct. It's vital that we look to Scripture and see what the Bible says again and again on who God is. And this morning we're going to look at the justice of God, the righteousness of God. God. So before we dive in, let me, let me pray. If you would pray for me, um, I'm going to pray for this morning. And uh, let's pray that God would just show his righteousness. Let's pray. Father, I, I pray this morning, Lord, that you would just reveal to us your justice and your righteousness. Father, your justice that is found in the cross, your justice that was that was paid for on the cross. Father, I pray that you would just use me and speak through me and use your word to glorify your name. Father, the the cross and who you are. Father, it should drive our lives, Lord. And I pray that your, your justice and your righteousness, that we would have somewhat of an understanding and that would change our lives. 
change our lives in, in this world until we, we see you face to face. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn with me to Romans three twenty one through 26. And I'm going to read the passage there. Starting verse 21. But now the righteousness of God has been, ma- been manifested apart from the law. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift. They are declared righteous by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. And this was to show God's righteousness because of his divine forbearance. He had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just, he might be righteous, and the justifier, the one who declares you righteous, of the one who has faith in Jesus. So let me ask you, how many times do you see the word righteous within this text? It's kind of a trick question, and I hope you saw that as I was reading it. But in this passage, we see the word righteousness of God mentioned seven times. And as some of you look down at the passage, you're thinking, okay, this dude's math is all messed up. And you're right. I'm horrible at math. So most of the time, you will be right. But I'm right in this situation, and you're, you're wrong. Um, my, yeah, so, but um, as I studied God's character, as I studied that God is a God of justice, that God is just and righteous, I realize that God's justice and God's righteousness are referred to as the same thing in the Bible and in this passage. The same Greek word is used for both in this passage. And in the English, we have, we have two separate words. But in the Bible, we see two words that are considered together as speaking of one attribute of God. So today, we are going to consider the two one. Okay? So God's righteousness, here's the definition. So God's righteousness means that God always acts in accordance with what is right and is himself the final standard of what is right. Tim Challies puts it this way. God is the final standard of what is right, and he is always going to act in accordance with what is right. And this is also known as God's justice. So this morning, my goal is to show you that God is just and the justifier, that he is righteous and he declares who is righteous by the works of Jesus Christ. So first, before we get into all of that, I think we must have an understanding on who God is and who man is. And so just hang on with me as we walk through the definition of who God is, that God is righteous and God is just and who man is. So God is righteous. God is just. This is not just my definition of God, but is the definition of who he is. God being right and just in his character. He always acts in accordance with what is right, and he himself is the final standard of what is right. He himself is just. 
He himself is true. He himself is utterly fair. He's consistent. He does not waver. He's glorious and and holy. His righteousness is the absolute rightness of his character. He is perfectly good and without fault or blame. This is the God of the Bible. This is the God who we see in the scriptures. Moses, speaking of God, he says, All his ways are justice. A God of faithfulness and without iniquity, just and right is he. Abraham in Genesis, speaking of God's character, Shall not the judge of the earth do what is right? Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Steadfast love and faithfulness go before you. God also speaks of his character. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. I, the Lord, speak the truth. I declare what is right. So with respect to this definition, I think we, we have to ask what is right. Okay? What is right? Or as Wayne Grudem puts it, uh, what ought to happen or what ought to be. And as believers, we must respond and say, what is right is whatever conforms to God's moral character. And you're thinking, why must we say that? We must say that because God has no Supreme Court above him. Right? God has no constitution above him. He has no ethics books above him. He has no parents above him to tell him what to do. Right? God is absolute. So then what is right is whatever conforms to God's moral character. What is right is to act consistently with his name, with his infinite glory and value of who he is. There is a standard of righteousness, and it is God. God acts to uphold his infinite glory, his infinite beauty, and his infinite name. That who is who God is. God is just, and God is righteousness. So with that being said, there cannot be any standard of what is right outside of God. It is by God's standard of righteousness where we measure righteousness and justice. See, we have no right to say to God, God, you are unjust. God, you are unrighteous. We have no right to say that. We, as God's creation, cannot turn to the creator and tell him who he is. Romans 9, 20 through 21. But who are you, a man, to answer back to God? Well, what is molded say to its molder? Why have you made me like this? Has a potter no right over the clay to make out the same lump, one vessel for honorable use and another for dishonorable use? See, in society today, there's a problem, and there's a problem with our thinking. And this problem is, uh, I'm going to label it the, the secular mindset with how we think of what is right and what is wrong. What is morality? What is righteous? What is just? And Vodi Bakum, he has a, a great article uh, called The Supremacy of Christ in the Postmodern, Postmodern World. And Jerry Planchock uh, pushed me towards this article, so I have to give him some credit as well. Um, but Vodi, in this article, he contrasts two, two views, and he talks about Christian theism, those who believe in the God of the Bible, and um, secular humanism. Those who don't, which is actually funny because most people you ask would say that they believe in a God. Um, but clearly they don't believe in the God. Um, 
So let me, so let me ex- explain here. But, well, sorry. So there's two views, Christian theism and secular humanism. And with these two views, I could not help to see that if you have a secular mindset, as Vodi labeled it, secular humanism, which is a popular way to think that even affects us and you guys sitting in, in those chairs today. If you have this mindset, secular mindset, I can't, I can't help to see that it leads to injustice. It leads to unrighteousness. It leads to unfairness. And it urges us to cry for justice. It was clear to see that the fault in the thinking was where they started. So so the Christian mindset, where does the Christian mindset start? It starts with God. It starts with their understanding from the creator, from who he is, that he is the absolute, that he is righteous, that he is just. But the secular mindset starts with with man. It starts with the understanding of man. See, the, the focus point, the starting point is on the creation rather than the creator. And as we just saw of God, the Christian view of moral ethics of what is right and wrong is absolute because morality is rooted in the internal, the unchanging and the unwavering character of God, the unchanging righteousness and justice of God. But in society today, which is a popular way of thinking about moral ethics, in society today, even though they say that they believe in a God, In society today, we say that ethics are completely cultural and negotiable. What may be ethically right in one culture is not necessarily permitted in another culture. And each culture negotiates its own ethical norms. And Vodi, he, he points out that because of this thinking, we see history professors unwilling to say that what the Nazis did to try to exterminate the Jews was unethical. You see, their, their secular thinking allows them to negotiate and believe that this is true, when at the core of this, it is injustice. We even see this within different cultures right here in Shreveport. We even see this in our conversations that we have when we're out at the grocery store, in the coffee shops, on the news. People say you can believe whatever you want to believe. You can decide for yourself what is right and what is wrong. And this reminds me of Romans 1.21. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. But they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. See, man... The root of our sin is a failure to honor, a failure to glorify God's name. And Vodi, he continues to answer these two questions. I'm only looking at the the secular mindset to answer these two questions. He says, the questions are, who am I and why am I here? So stay with me, stay with me. He says, the secular mindset answered these, who am I and why am I here? By saying, I am nothing more than a glorified ape. I am random. I am a mistake. I'm an accident. I have no purpose. At the foundation, I am pointless. Why am I here? I have no, no value, but I'm here to consume and enjoy. I'm here to consume and enjoy. 
to get everything I can, to continue to get a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more, to continue to consume and enjoy. And the only thing that matters is if I'm more powerful than you or if, or if you have something for my enjoyment. If so, then it's necessary or right for me to take whatever I need from you to increase my own satisfaction to consume and enjoy. When your moral ethics, what is right and wrong, is not found in the God of righteousness, the the creator of all, but it is found in yourself or in others who do not honor God, it's found in man who is looking to consume and enjoy, then there's going to be injustice, there's going to be unrighteousness, there's going to be unfairness. And don't we see this in our society today? Don't we see this here in Shreveport? Don't we see this in abortions? Instead of looking at the baby in the womb as one who was created, one who was, was known by God before he even placed them in the womb, we justify our extermination of them because, because they're looked at as a lump of flesh and just could be an annoyance to us. Consume and enjoy. Consume and enjoy. Or as I saw on the news this week of a, a um, teenager who got pregnant, hid her pregnancy from her parents, wearing baggy clothes, had the baby in her bedroom in an eight-story apartment, dropped the baby out the window eight stories. The babies died all so that her parents would not know about her boyfriend and also that her parents wouldn't know about her pregnancy. Consume and enjoy. We see it in the the drunk drivers who have killed innocent people. We see it in in rapists. One in five women have been raped. We see it in abusers. Twenty people every minute are calling the hotline saying that they've been abused. Those are just the people that are calling. Twenty, Twenty people every minute. We see it in the judges who unjustly put people in jail. And we see it in the racism that is still present in society today. Consume and enjoy. Consume and enjoy. Injustice, unrighteousness, and unfairness. Do you see it? Do you see that we need justice? We need righteousness. We need fairness. Where is it, God? Where is your justice? Often we are quick to call out for it, but do you really understand what you are calling out for? Do you really understand the justice that you are calling out for? Do you really desire this justice? Look at what Paul says in verse 23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. For all, that includes you. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And earlier on in the same passage, Romans 3, 10 through 18, none is righteous, no, not one. No one understands, no one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Their throat is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. 
The venom of asps is under their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. In their paths are ruin and misery. And the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Man, all man exchanges God's glory with idols of this world, with consume and enjoy mentality. All sin is a preference for fleeting pleasures of the world over glorifying God's name. So if we understand that God is righteous, that that God is just, and that man is unrighteous and unjust, then we all deserve his punishment. We all deserve his judgment. We all deserve his wrath. We all deserve death for our sin. And you're probably thinking, whoa, 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 Kevin. You just stepped over that line. I'm good. I'm a good person. I do good. I'm not like the abusers. I'm not like the rapists. I'm not like the murderers. I don't, I don't do that. But Paul is even talking about those who follow the law. All people are sinners. You cannot work to make yourself right in God's eyes. So no matter how good you are, you cannot work to make yourself right in God's eyes. You are still a sinner. And you may not have murdered someone. You may not have abused someone or treated someone unfairly. But we are all sinners. And let me ask you, what, what about your, mani- your manipulation to get what you want? What about, what about your little white lies that you tell people? What about your, your anger? What about your selfishness? What about your, your, your pride? What about your gossip? What about your addictions that, that are tearing your marriage apart, that are tearing your family apart? See, when we call for justice, which this world desperately needs, we are calling for our own judgment. So if God is righteous and just, then you're asking, where is his justice? Where is it? I don't see it. I don't see it today. Has he just passed over my sin? There's still evil and suffering in this world. Where is his justice? And you're right. God would seem to be unrighteous if he passed over sins as though the value of his glory, of his character were nothing. But I love this passage because it begins with a but. But he didn't. God, he saw his glory being despised by sinners. He saw his worth belittled and his name dishonored by our sins. And rather than vindicating his worth by wiping us all clean from this earth, what does he do? He vindicates his worth by what? Slaying his son. And he slays his son for you and for me. God is just and the justifier. Look at Romans 3, 23 through 26. For there is no distinction for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified, are declared righteous by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in 
Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just, that he might be righteous and the justifier, the one who declares you righteous of the one who has faith in Jesus. God's righteousness is displayed, it is revealed, it is made known in his Son, in Jesus Christ. See, we all deserve his wrath and his justice. We deserve to die so, so his name will be glorified. But, but God, he granted, he justified, he declared us righteous by his grace that was just a gift, that was a gift in faith in Jesus Christ. And how did he do that? Through the redemption in Jesus Christ. Paul is saying that, that through Jesus, to us who are slaves to sin, to us who are slaves to death, to judgment, to us who can never pay the debt that we owe, he is saying to us, redemption and freedom from that debt, it has come. And it has come in my son. It has come in Jesus Christ. God, he justifies his people through the work of his son. And it's not our work. We cannot justify ourselves. It's by the work of Jesus only. The only one who lived a perfect life without sin. He was the spotless lamb. He was the only one that could pay our debt, that could take the wrath of God for us. God, he presented Jesus as a sacrifice of atonement of, and propitiation. And this is the way that God is just and the justifier. This is the way that the just God justifies sinners. This is how he makes you and I, if you believe in Christ, from unrighteous to righteous. This is his justice. You see, propitiation is the turning away of God's wrath. God's wrath is turned away from us who deserve it by putting it on the one, by putting it on Jesus, by putting it on himself who takes it in our place. God himself, Jesus, bore that wrath for us. So this is... I'm speaking from experience here too. This is, uh, let me give you an example. This is um, like you and I standing in the courtroom for something we did wrong, okay? And let's just say we got a speeding ticket going 80 in a 60 in in high school, driving down uh, a road with your shirt off because you're super prideful uh, in your mom's convertible. And... And a lady cop pulls you over who does not think this is funny or amusing at all, writes you a ticket and she says, you're going to court. You being under 18 as well, you're going to court. You're going to go see the judge. And you get to court and you're scared. Your dad's with you. And then you wait, you wait, you wait. And they finally call your name. And you step up there shaking. And you wonder what the judge is going to say. And the judge, he looks at you and he says, you are innocent. There's nothing wrong here. You are justified. What? How? 
Why? I, I know I did wrong. That, that lady cop made sure I knew I did wrong. I am clearly in the wrong. And the judge, he responds and he says, I took it. I took your sin. I took it on myself. I paid your debt. I paid your court fees. I paid your ticket. The court now sees you as innocent. Your record is completely clean. 2 Corinthians 5.21 For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. God himself, Jesus Christ, they took our sin. The sin was placed upon God's son. He took it from us. Why? So that we might be made righteous. The cross is the place where the judge takes the judgment. God himself substituted himself for the sinner. Our sin was given to Christ and he quenched God's wrath for us. He satisfied God's anger. And now all, for all who believe in Jesus Christ, we are declared righteous and forgiven. And that is your legal status in Christ, righteous. You see, the judge of your life, he loved you so much, loved the objects of his wrath so much that he gave his son to the end that he by his blood should make provision for the removal of his wrath. The cross is the demonstration of God's justice and of his justifying love all for the glory of God. God's justice is paid on the cross and in God's justice, he shows us his justifying love. This is a God worth serving. This is a God worth worshiping as you stand here and worship his name. As you you stand here and look at these characteristics, this is the God who is worth worshiping. A God who is both just and in his justice, he shows us his love for us. See, we don't just have a God of wrath. We don't just worship a God of wrath. But we worship a God who has standards. A God who in the cross displays his love and his justice. See, God, he he says your sins deserve an an infinite punishment. But that infinite Punishment, that punishment has been met by my son. And that is justice and that is love. God is both the judge who cares enough about his world to set standards and hold us accountable to them and the justifier who has done everything necessary to forgive and restore. So believing in the God of the Bible, a God who is a God of righteousness, of justice, of love, of mercy, of forgiveness, of grace, A God who is holy means we should strive to live in accordance to his moral character. If he is the final standard of what is right, then we should always look to him for what is right. 
We should always glorify his name in all we do, knowing that if we mess up, his wrath that we deserve was already paid for by the blood of Jesus Christ. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. Because God is a God of justice and righteousness, let me tell you, justice is going to happen. Justice is going to happen. So two ways. If you're in sin, there's two options. In your faith in Christ, you are rendered righteous because of his justice that was satisfied on this cross. Or one day when he returns, his justice is coming. And I pray that this is not the justice that you get. If you do not have faith in Christ, if you continue to live in sin, you will one day receive God's wrath, God's justice. So let me ask you, do you have faith in the God of righteousness? Do your actions and your words show that? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your justice that is found in Jesus Christ. Thank you that you are not just a God of wrath, but a God of mercy and love, a God who upholds the standards that he sets. Father, I pray if some in this room do not know you, I pray that they will believe in the justice and salvation that is found in your son. And I pray that we can all have confidence in your justice and, our, and live our lives with a Christian mindset, focusing on your word and your truth for our morality. Father, I pray that we will have confidence to live open about our sin, not, not having to hide it because of the confidence that we have in your justice. I pray we will will boldly speak towards injustice in the world because of the justice that will one day come. Father, you are a God of righteousness, of justice, of fairness. And Father, I pray that even as we, we do not understand everything that happens in this world, I pray in all we do, we will glorify your name. I pray we will believe and trust that you are a God of peace, of patience, of love, of mercy, of grace, of forgiveness, of justice. A God who is holy and righteous. A God of truth. I pray we will hold fast to your character and hold fast to the cross. That we will worship you now with our full hearts knowing that your justice and your love was granted to us as we have faith in your son. Let us worship you for for who you are. We love you in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Norris Ferry Community Church located in Shreveport, Louisiana. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for these copies or alter the content in any way without permission. For more information about Norris Ferry Community Church, please visit us online at norrisferrychurch.org.